This episode of Pivot is brought to you by Microsoft Azure. To amplify your ideas and achieve more with artificial intelligence and advanced analytics on Azure, your trusted cloud. Start your free account today at azure.com slash trial. That's A-Z-U-R-E dot com slash trial. Hi, everyone. This is Pivot from the Vox Media Podcast Network. I'm Kara Swisher. And I'm Scott Galloway. And we're just about through with 2018 on the show. We usually break down the big news stories of the week, but this week we're going to take on the whole year. Scott, let's talk about all kinds of issues for 2018. Let's. So let's start um, with the top, which was obviously Facebook and Cambridge Analytica and the whole Facebook thing, right? Yeah. Would you say that was the top story this year? Yeah, I think so. I think um, that, no doubt about it. The notion that this might lead to the breakup in in the beginning of 18, so I do a series of predictions. I get a lot of them wrong, but they're fun to talk about. But one of the predictions was that the breakup of big tech begins in 18. And I'm curious to that. Do you think that's, would you say that's correct or incorrect that the breakup of big tech has begun? I think the contemplation about the strength of big tech and whether they should be regulated has begun. I don't think there's going to be any breakup. So you think you think the immunity that'll kick in here or the blowback will the form it'll take will be regulation, not antitrust. Yes. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I think that certain companies antitrust is one, but I it's, you're only gonna have one shot at these companies. And so mm-hmm. which company do you shoot at? Which one is the right one? Is it Amazon? Is it Google? Is it you know, Google hasn't been shot at yet by any of the regulators, if you think about it. And they've been around much longer than Facebook and other companies. Yeah, they're the luckiest, though. I mean, they have the ultimate heat shield in the Zuck and, and Ms. Sandberg. Facebook's the best thing that happened to them because they're probably more frightening. Right. They would be uh, – so let's talk a little bit about Google and a Facebook. And I, right. I want to propose a solution. You tell me why okay. this does or doesn't work. But okay. one of the scariest things about our economy right now is the fastest-growing parts of our economy are, uh, in tech at least, are search – cloud, mobile, you know, hardware, and social. And you can't start companies because uh, in those industries because there's a big dominant player or a duopoly. So we have innovation being cauterized. I, I feel this is the era of non-innovation. So mm-hmm. the notion of breaking them up, let's start with Google. 93% of intention to action is controlled by one company, which I think is a bad idea. Explain intention to action, please. Okay, I type in how to overthrow my government. It's the mm-hmm. first piece of content I get a voter registration form or instructions on how to build a dirty bomb. Mm-hmm. And I'm not suggesting we put search back in a bottle, but is it cool or are we down with one company controlling 93% of that process? Well, mm-hmm. what's the most... I'm going to get existential here. What's the most important process? Is it when a solar flare comes off the sun and heats us? Yeah, that's pretty important. Is it the moment of life or conception? A lot of dispute over that. That's pretty important. But intention to action three billion times a day, that's a pretty important process, right? And we don't know how they're figuring it out. And they don't want to tell us. Mm -hmm. And one company controls 93% of it. So the question is, well, how do you— how do you break up that concentration? And my answer here, and I want to hear your feedback, is that you spin, you force a breakup of YouTube. And in the first corporate strategy meeting of YouTube, they decide that the way they all get homes in the Hamptons or Napa or whatever it is they do with their stock option appreciation is they start uh, doing text-based search. And in the first corporate meeting of Google sans YouTube, they decide to start doing video search because they're no longer coordinating. Mm -hmm. And we have uh, two viable players overnight. And I think that that's good for the world, good for the planet, good for the economy. Right. This, these breakups. I, it is interesting. I was thinking this on the subway coming down here. I was thinking about Amazon, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, 
they, I was trying to think, what would get Amazon? Obviously, having all this information about what people buy and sell mm-hmm. and and what uh, things of other people's that they buy and sell, so what they have a proctor, all the brands sort of pushing back on Amazon. Amazon knows what everybody buys and sells cause, so it could start to understand what businesses are good to invest in or not. So they have extra data information that allows yeah. them to facilitate dominance in other areas. And so that's, is that, is that, Antitrust is that, that, that I was just thinking, wow, they really do know how much toilet paper sells and what kind and where. So right. They have more information than Walmart ever did yeah. because they know about everybody's toilet paper sales. And so it's just I was just thinking, is that an undue advantage? Is that actionable? Is that something people should be worried about? If they are one of the bigger sellers, they can of course make the argument they're one of the there's so much retail going on. That's their argument. They're only 2% of retail or whatever the number they always right. throw out. Um, but it's a really interesting question is how much – when you you don't just sell things. You have the data about things selling. And so that was interesting. And the same thing with Google. They don't just have – they don't just yield the search results. They know what everybody is searching on. And so you have this – I've always called Google the database of human intentions. Yeah. I mean if you go to Google, if people don't realize you go there, you used to go there and you used to see words coming across the Google system. And they used mm-hmm. to have – they'd have a ticker tape essentially that went right. by or they sometimes have it on stairs and things like that. And you'd see things like like – Horses, condoms, this. Like, you'd be like, what are people searching for? Like, you were, I, you were, I would sit there and try to figure out what the intention was. And you just realize that it's all of human intention, and which is hard to quantify, but they certainly can. Again, they have undue advantage, as Yelp has said, as other people have said, over what people, knowing paths are made by walking, they know where everybody's walking. And I think that's, yeah. that to me is a really interesting, like, I'm not a lawyer, but that's a really, who, who, if everyone knows where everyone's going, the companies that know where everybody's going are the most powerful purveyors of anything. Yeah, if you if you own the platform, you shouldn't be competing with the downstream providers. It's like owning all the railroads, and you get to see not only what's on the rails, but where it's going, the profitability of it. So when you see that shipping jackets to Minnesota is just a great business, high margin, and then you start opening jacket stores, and mm-hmm. then maybe not providing access to the same communication or right. same transportation of those jackets as you were before, that the platform shouldn't be competing. In terms of legality, the current antitrust law does not support the breakup of these companies because mm-hmm. it's That's based right. it's kind of the Bork consumer test. And how do you decide who how do you say that something is creating consumer harm when it's free? And I would argue that with Google and Facebook, we've conflated the end consumer with the actual consumer. I think the consumers here are the advertisers. Mm-hmm. And there's real consumer harm because PNG and Unilever have no choice. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they're um, paying unfair or undue no, rents. No marketer has any choice. They have to be there, right? 100%. I mean, they're all – I think most of them are really upset about what's going on, but they're, they they cannot they cannot reduce their advertising. This because is Because television doesn't work anymore or doesn't have the 100%. same efficacy. And they got to – and not only that, the analysts have broken out their online growth from their offline growth. And their online growth is much more important. And the only way they can drive online growth is going to one or two players, and that's Facebook or Google. Amazon – is more frightening in the sense that it can move markets without actually competing. It can take the value of any consumer stock down 30%, 30 days, and 30 press releases because everyone's just so shit scared of them. Mm -hmm. And also this very strange dynamic where they have access to infinitely cheap capital. We've never had a company get to be the most valuable company in the world, which they were for a hot minute two weeks ago, without ever having to achieve meaningful profitability, which creates this uh, dynamic that no no company can compete with. And the only company that's sort of similar is Netflix. If you really look at Netflix financials, you could argue, all right, they're outspending everybody without without this demand to be profitable. And it's you might say, well, that's fine. That's great for the consumer. 
Long term, I don't think it is because we don't know what we're missing. Try and start an e-commerce company right now. Mm -hmm. It's nearly impossible to get an e-commerce company funded right now. And everyone gets excited about Away and Casper. I I think they're all sort of – they all kind of vary between fucked and semi-fucked. And we all (laughs) want to think that they're going to be great. It's very hard for them to break through. That others fail. It's not too big to fail. It's too big. They're so dominant. They're so dominant. The old Brandesian notion of antitrust was based on channel power. Lena Kahn kind of wrote the seminal piece, this 27-year-old law student who's shaking up antitrust. But, you know, the the, the anti-competitive behavior across all of them, too dominant in every market, cauterizing. um, And they don't compete with each other. They mostly stay in their swim lanes, although you're starting to see them bump up a little bit against each other. But it feels like there's a little bit of I, an, I, I liken it to semi-trucks running down the highway. No one can get by. Like five of them or three of them or whatever. Yeah, you end up in the tire well. Yeah. So like what happened Doesn't, to that company? You can't go around any of them Yeah. at all. And the media companies can't go around them. E-commerce companies can't go around them. And, and what, one of my themes for this year, I think, over the next year is going to be this, where does innovation come from and mm-hmm. what's in its way? And it seems to me these big companies are in the way of innovation. 100%. Four and things are in their way. Yeah. Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Mm-hmm. Well, Apple? Would you put Apple in there? So Apple, I believe— Let's I talk believe, about that. Apple, the first trillion-dollar company, then was yeah. pushed so, aside and that. Yeah, one of one of the predictions one of the predictions was that— and I've been making this prediction for four years— was that Amazon would, would uh, pass, become the most valuable company in the world and be, become more valuable than Apple. And it happened for about three minutes a couple weeks ago. But look at Apple. Apple pre-installed on a billion iOS devices, an absolute horrible music service. It's not a good music service. Spotify is far superior. But two quarters ago, Apple Music started growing faster in the U.S. than Spotify because it's preloaded, And that's the whole— I don't think that's just it. My kid just started using it because he liked it better. Like Apple Music? He did. They all are shifting to it. He told me. He's like, all the kids are going to Apple Music. I was like, what? From Spotify? There's no way. He he doesn't use Spotify Discovery that he like Apple Music? I'm just telling you. That's just blown my world mm-hmm. up. So, but I, you have this advantage where if you're already pre-installed on everything, and then you can charge a thirty percent tax to Spotify, and then you're slow getting them the tools they need to update it for the iOS, mm-hmm. you know, for the App Store. Should companies be in that business when they own, when they own the access? Should they be going vertical and competing with these guys? Right. And try and start a music streaming company right now. It's just it's near impossible. So it's, so. The, it's the giant. It's the land of the giants. Well, and the data is terrible, too. We've talked about this metric before, but there were twice as many new businesses being formed every day in the Carter administration than there is now. And there's this false notion that we live in an era of innovation. No, we don't. We live in an era of innovation. I agree with you. Wither innovation. It's coming from China. It's coming from elsewhere. So that's your notion. If I turned it back to you and said, if your theme is where is innovation coming from, you think it's coming from China? I think it's coming from not here. Yeah, not here. Not here. Not invented here. And we invented everything. All right. We're going to take a quick break. Stay with us. Coming up next, we'll hear an advertiser segment from Microsoft Azure about digital mapping. The building blocks for industry in the 21st century aren't cement blocks and steel beams, but digital tools and platforms. The way we look at a a new building is that it's a smart building, it's a cognitive building, it's fully connected, it's able to be optimized through digital platforms and digital technology. That's Dale Brett. He's a co-founder and chief product officer at Willow, a technology company that creates a digital map of the physical world in high-res detail. It's called a digital twin. With a digital twin, we can see all of the context of that building live in a digital format on our computer online. 
Willow takes data from all of the systems inside a building, the lights, the heating system, which meeting rooms are in demand, and stores it on the Azure cloud. Then, Willow uses machine learning algorithms to understand this data and make smart decisions about the built environment. It's really about the data analytics, which then allows us to see how's the temperature been going, the air quality, has it been operating at 100% capacity, or are there certain components that show us we can do predictive maintenance. Then, the team can apply these learnings to new projects and easily bring them to scale. All this is why the team at Willow uses Microsoft Azure. Learn more about the tools you can use to build a smarter world and business with Azure. Try a new Azure free account at azure.com slash trial. A-Z-U-R-E dot com slash trial. All right, we're back. This is Kara Swisher. I'm with Scott Galloway. We're talking about sort of predictions for 2018, trying to wrap up and some things that Scott predicted and what did or did not come true. One of the things you talked about a lot, Scott, was uh, tech spins, um, yeah. that there was going to be a spin of AWS, Amazon's AWS. There was going to be a spin of Instagram. Um, there haven't been any spins, Scott. Yeah, it's coming. Uh, All right. I, I, think, I think AWS, I think it'll be done prophylactically. We talk about this, and I'm one of the, on the spin, it'll be one of the 10 most valuable companies in the I, world. I asked the head of AWS, and he said he wasn't looking for a spin. And what's he going to say? I, well, yeah, he, he really he was quite definitive. Would he? He said oh, he, there's God. no need for so a spin. He so much money. Yeah, but he's already wealthy beyond compare. So some some behind-the-scenes um, uh, gossip. When I was on the board of the New York Times, mm -hmm. uh, I suggested we spin about.com because right. the management team had bought this thing to use it like uh, as digital earrings to accessorize an analog body. Right. And it was growing fast, and at one point it was worth a billion dollars. I'm like, let's spin this thing. It's ridiculous. And I made a huge mistake, and that is I mentioned the spin to some of the people about, and they were all like, great, we're going to be rich. Mm -hmm. And I got so taken to the woodshed by mm -hmm. everybody else said, don't talk about a spin. And, of course, it ended up being worth, you know, two or $300 million, and they sold it for less than they bought it. Mm -hmm. But that was – tech spins usually do really well. They mm -hmm. look at eBay and PayPal. Okay. Instagram, I think, would be an interesting spin, although I think that's less likely. But AWS, I think, is is coming down. Okay. Coming All down right. He said no. He said no. He, he was pretty defensive, Andy Jassy. That's like asking a board if they support their CEO. They all say yes <laughs> until the day they fire them. Okay. All right. So Amazon Web Services is a spin. It would be one of the biggest companies. Uh, it's the fastest growing part of that company. That's the other part is whether it should be pulled out of that company. That's right. Um, it would be instantly become one of the 10 most valuable companies in the world uh, with a huge multiple. And it's obviously yeah. in an area that's competitive, and yet they dominate. They have been dominating. And no pure play way to play the cloud right now as an investor. Right, exactly. I mean, you ha you can buy Microsoft, you can buy Google, you can buy... You have to crawl over a search engine, you have to crawl over a software company, no pure right. play to play. Well, why doesn't Google spin off its cloud business? That's a, actually a really good question. Yeah, they um, just the, the head of it just left. They have a new head of it. Is that right? Diane Green. Yeah, cool. they could do... Yeah. They could do... A spin. The same thing. But think about AWS. AWS is a market leader. Right. And it's it's growing faster. Is it growing faster? It's the market right. leader. All right, I get. They should probably should, will spin AWS off. But we'll think, see. I don't. We I don't. They, he said not. I was. He, I believed him. I believe whatever people tell me, Scott. These tech people. I just believe whatever they say. The okay. Next. So when I got right, Facebook stock peaks in 2018, okay. and it All did, right. and it's off 33 percent. And you know what? Actually, might go after. It mm -hmm. might be the remedy for Facebook. Is at some point. 
if the stock keeps going down is that you might see shareholders start to put it might be capitalism that steps in here and fixes things because mm. it, i think it peaked at about 215 i think it opened today at like 135 or 138 that's a big drop it is a big drop. Okay, and so, maybe so where's it going? Let me give you a prediction for it. Well, I've already made the prediction. I think it's going a lot higher because I think all the headline news doesn't translate to a deceleration in business. And okay. the company looks on most traditional metrics cheap. By the way, full disclosure, I own all of big tech because I love owning monopolies and growing markets. Okay, all right. Facebook's spinning off Instagram. You see them doing that? That could cause them, give them some money. Yeah, that's probably less likely, but I think you're going to see, again, I think you're going to see a spin among big tech prophylactically not against antitrust. Not purchasing, not buying more things. It's kind of hard for them to buy stuff that's that raises any sort of DOJ attention right now. I think mm -hmm. that there's stuff they'd like to buy. To spin out, not spin in. I think there's going to be a big spin. What would they like to buy? That's a really interesting question. So personally, I think Netflix should buy Spotify. I think okay. they would own Ooh. subscription media that would be if they did that. And okay. Spotify— is down about 20% from the IPO, right. and it would be, I think, about a 10% dilution for Netflix. Spotify has not gotten into video. Yeah, but that's, talk about peanut butter and chocolate. Yeah, that's uh, a fair point. Oh, I like that one. Okay. Video and audio, okay. I mean, and one one subscription fee, and, right. and they, uh, I think that would be super, uh, super powerful. What do, you, mm -hmm. what do you like? What do you think is out there? That's a good one. I hadn't even thought of that one. No? Netflix yeah. and Spotify? No, I never thought about that. Yeah, that, that feels right. I thought someone might buy Netflix. There's no really few companies it. that have the balance sheet now. Right. Not even Disney. Right. right? It's uh, a while ago. I thought someone would have bought it, but they didn't. Yeah. No one did. Yeah. Either they, I'm sure they were offered money. Maybe they just didn't do it. Yeah. So another one of my predictions. I thought Disney was going to be a viable competitor to Netflix. It hasn't happened. I thought Disney Flicks was going to launch, but instead, they're trying to figure out. It's the innovators' dilemma how they protect these businesses. So they're talking about these subscription-based. Uh, vertical, so in sports and in kids, and mm -hmm. they need to take a lesson from Netflix and just offer Disney Flix. So yeah. seven days early access on the next Star Wars film, uh, your best cabins on Disney cruises. Do you think they have the innovation and energy to do that? I think Disney's remarkable. Okay. I think they're remarkable. The problem is they have they have current investors and they want to change a tire going 60 miles an hour and not and maintain their current profitability. And they have to hold hands. And Bob Iger is one of the few people that has the credibility to do it and say, we're going to take profitability way down, but we're going to be in 20 million households with one recurring revenue Disney-like product. And unfortunately, well, it doesn't look like they're going to do it. Now, that sort of com comes into your other prediction about the rundle, the revenue yeah, bundle. Is revenue that what you're bundle. calling it, the rundle? The rundle. Isn't that awful? I need it something better. It sounds like something Amish people do on their the wedding rundle. night. <laughs> I think that's the dirtiest thing I've ever heard you say. <laughs> Baby, it's it's rundle time. So, Scott, despite the fact that you're using it as a strange sexual term, what yeah. actually is a rundle? So, it's a shitty uh, it's a shitty term that means recurring revenue bundle. I need okay. something better like brundle or – but, yeah, no. recurring revenue bundle. Okay. So, there's a lesson here, and that is – we as humans don't yeah. understand the pace of time, and that is we constantly underestimate it. So right. we go, Equinox, 150 bucks a month. I work out three times a week, so it's 12 times, 12 bucks a workout. The reality is I work out once every six weeks. It costs me $200 okay. to go hang out at, at, at Equinox once every six weeks. So you want a business that's tied to the clock. Mm -hmm. And how that translates to a business model is recurring revenue. Okay. And that's why software companies and syndicated research traded a multiple of revenues. And shitty companies like media that mm -hmm. are transactional or retail where you have to reinvent your business every 24 hours right. traded a multiple of EBITDA. So I think every company that adds more than $5, $10 billion in value in 2019, the fastest growing part of their business is going to be a recurring revenue. Recurring, the relationship well, Netflix, they have. Netflix is recurring revenue. Recurring right? revenue. 
Spotify is recurring it's the hot revenue. Thing. Recurring revenue. So every business in America that's over ten or twenty billion and wants uh, example restoration hardware. And Gary yeah. Friedman was con- considered our, uh, considered a te- technological luddite, but our, he probably the best merchant in the last twenty mm-hmm. years. Restoration hardware membership program. Are you a member of that? Yeah, that seems like no. something you would do. No, no, no I don't know. It's a hundred, 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 no. or one hundred fifty yeah. bucks a year. Ninety five percent of their transaction volume. They've grown their revenues twenty or thirty percent, but their stock is up one hundred fifty percent. So mm-hmm. every company is now sitting looking at the board saying. How in a low growth environment do we grow our revenues 20, maybe 30% over the next five years, but double our stock price, mm-hmm. which does make sense. And the only way you can do that is through a different business model. And that all points to one direction. That's recurring revenue. How do so, we get recurring revenue, Scott? So how would we move to recurring revenue? This is the thing you need in recurring revenue. And that is you have to be like Adobe who did it. They used to sell Macromedia Director for $1,200 or $1,300. And they said, we're just going to start charging $25 a month. First off, you need real leadership because you've got to take profitability down. The second thing, unfortunately, you need that's the harder part is you need massive capital because in order to get people to commit to a long-term relationship, I think everything comes down to, as you can probably tell, biology and sex. Right. And in order to get someone I'm to commit— waiting to, for this one. Go ahead. Here it comes. Let's <laughs> rundle, baby. Anyways, <laughs> if, if you—but think about it. In order to get to get <laughs> you into a monogamous relationship, it, yeah. there has to be a lot on the other side. To say okay. I'm giving up all the rest, it's like that William Hurt— Movie, oh The Year of Living, or Eastern Promises. Okay. Well, not Eastern Promises. Whatever. Anyway, so he says, William Hurd is this total mm-hmm. mobster, and he says, I've just never met one that made me want to give up the rest. So right. in order to get someone to enter into a monogamous business relationship, you have to offer them a lot. And yeah. the way you do that was just with an unbelievable offering. So Netflix, a billion dollars yeah. of content for every $1 a month. Mm-hmm. So how do we do it? Uh, Vox would need to come up with substantial capital and figure out a way to charge people a uh, monthly fee for access to their content, Put it behind a wall, take profitability way down, and pray that people start pulling out the credit cards. But on 50% of the revenue, they could have three times the value. Mm -hmm. But you have to cross the precipice and hold hands and go through the fire and be armed with a massive amount of capital to convince Mm -hmm. people to enter in to this, again, this monogamous business But not everyone has that. Like Nike, you could see that. You'd want to buy their whole – you believe in the Nike brand, for example. Well, and not like that. Or a blank brand. Imagine, I, I don't know if you're having Whole aches, Foods could aches be a and pains relationship you might want to have. For your health, right? And say, mm-hmm. but even take Nike out. Well, I'm, Amazon would be Whole Foods, right? I'm having problems with my knee. I'd mm-hmm. rather go to an orthopedist that's Nike approved that maybe claims to understand more about aging athletes. Right. I would love a Nike, a set of pre-approved, ingredient-branded Nike hotels that mm-hmm. have a certain level of quality of gym, maybe have your your you know your vapor shoes there or mm-hmm. whatever they're called mm-hmm. have a concierge that's focused on fitness mm-hmm. and food that's just not like pre-diabetes turned right. into a menu right. it's just it. so i think there's opportunities there's a series of brands that would let you say okay take mm-hmm. me off the table i'm yours i love you and i'll mm-hmm. enter into this long-term relationship that's my I think that's huge. I think every company, right. including okay. this the one, the rundle is your thing. It. I think I, my prediction for the next year that we go on that we we talked about is these IPOs that are going to happen. With finally, we're back in IPO land with some. And of these what do you think is the biggest? The biggest Uber. Uber. Okay, that's the biggest. Airbnb. That, does that work though? I don't know. I mean, if People Uber doesn't questions. come out at 120 billion dollars, do you think? Do you think the markets? They have Uber has to come up with the ability to say we're a platform and start delivering food or finding other businesses that are more. Well, oh, the Uber Eats is becoming really quite is it? substantive. Yeah. Do you use Uber Eats? I do. I, it's interesting. It's a big. It's between them and Caviar. Is that well, Caviar's no. That's not a strong player. That's yeah. owned by Twitter still. It I is think. owned by Twitter. Yeah. Um, which is weird. Um, I love it by the way. I love is it, Caviar. But the the other ones are Grubhub and um, was the other competitor, and then. Yeah. Um, 
Postmates. Got it. And there's another one. There's another one. DoorDash. There's a lot. Yeah. Market DoorDash, I think, is one of the bigger ones because they've got yeah. a lot of deals with like the Chipotle's of the world and stuff like that. So you're talking about IPOs. So we have Airbnb, Uber, Pinterest. What are supposed hey, to be? Maybe Pinterest. I don't know. You don't think Pinterest gets no, out? I don't know. I don't know. Supposedly it's a billion in revenue. I don't know. Yeah, it's if Condé Nast reinvented itself for yeah. digital age. But yeah. I like that other one. House. I don't House. know. So House yeah, yep. on We've Azure. Had her, the CEO is yeah. a woman who's really great. That's a super impressive. So it what is. if you had to if you were going to buy money in the in the private markets right now, banking on an IPO that pops, which is your favorite? I don't know if they pop, but I think Airbnb, if they execute yeah, it correctly, agreed. if they execute it, if they get into like they're they're thinking of a travel more than travel yeah. in for content they're thinking about, That's which right. is kind of adjacent, not just the magazine, but other travel content. Yeah. You know, you could see them if they did it right, if they did, but they're, you know, they're running into more competitors. That's the issue is they run right into, if they start to get into planes and everything yep. else. That's a that's a buzzsaw, but that, that means they have to execute beautifully. They could potentially Airbnb would be. They a are decent, classy though. They're they classy. could be a, a decent a, nominee for most innovative company of eighteen. Their Airbnb experiences, yep. where they merchandise, but it's not big yet. It's not big yet. But it's growing. Like I know five thousand percent a yes, year. Yes, that's the thing. Everything they do, everything they do is well done. So I always like a company. But I I use their products a lot as a consumer, and I like them. Have you used their luxury offering where they have someone help you check in? And I nice have. Properties? I like it. It's well done. So tell me about it. What is it? It's I've just only nice. Used it's just well once. done. It's just I've used it's their plus properties. I'm about to use one. I've used them a couple times, and they're great. So they're you great. like Airbnb? You'll stay at Airbnb over in a hotel. Yes. And why is that? If they got into hotels, I would use their hotels. But why? What is it about? I don't know. About? Everything they do is easy. I just click on it. It's just like yeah. I, I, I'm looking for a place for the summer. And I looked at VRBO and others and different things. And You like Airbnb. I like their selection. I like the way it looked. I like the way the site worked. I liked I liked yeah. my credit card there. I had a problem. It was solved in a second. The place I was renting, there was some construction going on next door. And the yeah. person who was renting told me they don't have to necessarily, but they did. And I was able to unbook. And when she, when she was... If she unbooked me, she would have lost a point as a special member yeah, with a special host or whatever. Yeah, and yeah. if I had unbooked, I would have lost a certain amount of money. So, yeah. But there was no – there was a real problem there but that I didn't want to stay somewhere. There was backhoes in Hawaii. Yeah. And so they just handled it well. They're just – I mean maybe it's some care switcher. I don't know. But it was just like – it's just an easy platform to use, and I like yeah. the platform. I so, sound like an ad for Airbnb, but I use it a lot. I'm trying to think of things I actually use. I use the New York Times like app. I use Airbnb. I use Amazon. I'm trying to think of things and that Uber, are right? Uber. Uber. Yes, I do. It works yeah, really well. Amazing, yeah. So yeah. I'm on my Airbnb I story. Yeah. I, I don't use Airbnb, but I have a store. I used it once in Geneva because I couldn't find a hotel. But I live in, or just until recently, I lived in faculty housing, mm -hmm. and uh, which is the ugliest blocks, the ugliest buildings in Manhattan that looks like public mm -hmm. housing in Gdansk, Poland. <laughs> uh, but once you get to a certain level of whatever it is we are, you get faculty housing. So I'm in faculty housing, and I said, oh, I should put it on Airbnb because I'm out of town a lot. We had all these pictures taken, put it on Airbnb. Like within six hours, I got a letter from the housing department anyway students saying, you violated housing policy. We're kicking you out of faculty housing. Oh, my God. And I had to call the dean and go, this hurts my feelings. Uh -huh. This hurts my feelings. And they backed <laughs> down. But anyways, I almost got kicked out oh, of faculty housing. All right. Housing so you're trying to do a scam, Airbnb. in other words. I didn't know. All right. Yeah, now I'm I very self-conscious. Well, I, I think about putting my places on Airbnb. I just think yeah. I never would think of that. And I don't, you know. As long as you're not in faculty housing. You're I'm fine. not. I own my house. I just don't want people yeah. in my house. That's my issue. It's like, do I actually want people? I think you should brand it. Kara Swisher's house. I think you'd get a premium. Touch my things. Come in. See how I live. See my cats. 
No, there'd be yeah. no cats there. I would not leave my cats yeah. with like, people from Airbnb. Anyway, that's going to be an interesting IPO. The Uber IPO is going to be interesting. We'll see how that how the market if there's a, the big the small R recession yeah. uh, or the big R recession, it's going to be an issue uh, that'll affect everyone this year. And I think that's the last thing we should talk about recession. Yeah. If there is, we're all sort of screwed. Correct. Well, isn't it time? Uh, Carl Quintanilla at CNBC. By the way, do they they keep inviting you back? I've been invited. I'm there back. weekly. I used to I be have too. A they don't, with them. Oh, you do? They yes, don't invite me. Oh, so you get paid? Me. Yeah. I okay, do. I'm free and they don't invite me okay, back. Okay, all right. Maybe you're just. Uh, by the way, CNBC, you, you We're hurt my feelings. We're inviting you to the code conference. Anyways, yeah, I got that going for me. Great. Right. So, the uh, where were we? Oh, these guys, like recession. Uh, recession, a little art. Okay. What, where where do we get from Carl? What's your? I don't understand. Why are we? Oh, mentioning he put his... out a great tweet this morning. Yeah. Apologies. Put out a great tweet this morning saying, "Did we really think this was going to unwind easily with all this quantitative easing?" Mm-hmm. The unbelievable market ascent we've had over the last 10 years. I read the tweet and I'm like, oh, God, I want to sell everything because he's probably right. But, yeah, it's time. I just hope we time it perfectly such that the president gets blamed for it. Um, right. But, yeah, it's— On it's, that note. It's definitely it's <laughs> So, definitely so, so re- recession, I think that will affect the IPOs. It'll affect all these businesses. You realize there's about one-third or two-thirds fewer stocks than there were 30 or 40 years ago. So— I think a lot of these companies are signaling that they might. So I think Pinterest, who's threatened to go public every year for the last five years, is basically saying we're for sale, come buy us. Yeah. Uh, because I don't think their revenue has accelerated as fast as they had originally projected. The projections around Pinterest revenue five years ago, would they be somewhere between three and five billion now? And they're only at a billion, which is still an incredible company. Mm-hmm. And I'm shocked no one's just shown up and offered a Me Too product yeah. like Zuckerberg and just put yeah. them out of business. Yeah, he's busy. I don't think that company ever gets public. I think they're basically raising their hand and saying, you know, there's Go a lot away. of them. Rent the runway. A lot of these companies who said they were going to go public or have threatened to go public and can't quite seem to get out. So I don't think – I think a, a, maybe one or two of those guys get out. Get one or two and then the rest get bought. Or Yeah, or just continue to, you know, decide the timing's not right or whatever. Yeah, just wait it out. Yeah, that's Wait right, because we, we're only we're going to end so up with four. It's going to be kind of an eh year next year. We're going to end up with prediction. five public companies. Your prediction is an eh year. It's tough. It's tough to get out. We'll see. I'm hopeful. Yeah, but I don't. I don't know. All right, my theme: wither innovation. Where does innovation come from? That is going to be my theme for 2019. Yeah, but you said you you referenced it geographically. Yes, I would it could argue, be geographic. Okay, but I would argue that the center of all innovation and no company can create more than $10 billion in value in a year unless it's a bike ride from university, and that we need a massive investment in um, universities. All That's right. where I think innovation happens is right around, oh. in, in and around a university. That will be one of the many things we'll discuss next year. Okay, so. so geography, what about culture? What about culture inside of a company? What's a culture of innovation? Oh, I don't know. That's a big topic, Scott. That is a big topic. That is a big topic. You know, it just depends. It's certainly not what's going on on Facebook. There's a lot of morale problems there right now. And example. so the, the, that's an interesting question, though. So Facebook Watch, it sounded, I read an article, it actually sounded pretty innovative and pretty like they were doing a pretty good job and i thought my god it's impressive anyone gets anything done over there right now yeah well we'll see have you thought about a facebook watch program no never now my team watches you on that damn twitter thing where you just talk and then they love it i'm doing it tomorrow or maybe today i might do it today i might do it now from nbc headquarters (laughs) yes i am i'm gonna wander around snl and search for kate mckinnon and ask her out on a date what do you think (laughs) jimmy fallon (laughs) Actually, Kate McKinnon, no. she's, she's the, wow, is that, she's an incredibly impressive she is. Yeah. talent. I'm just going to wander around. What a talent. Do you wander. know her? No. What do you think? All lesbians know each other? No. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so I had all sorts of answers for that, and I decided, <laughs> you know, I'd rather not end my career, and I kept <laughs> no. it to myself. Yeah, keep it to yourself. Finally. In any case, Scott, happy 2018. Yeah. I'm looking forward to 2019. This has been a bad year. And right? I hope you get to rundle Kate McKinnon. Oh. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. 
excuse me, <laughs> put that back in. Where's my comfort monkey? Oh my Where's my comfort monkey? All right, Scott. <laughs> By the way, you, Scott. me, and Kate McKinnon Scott, in enough. South Beach that's enough, or on the Lower East Side, Scott, we could kill it. Is enough. We could just you must slay stop it. and save we your rude and obnoxious people, thoughts People would think I'm so interesting. They're like, look at the you old know, guy. Can I just tell you, Me Too is not over, Jess. Let oh, me just Jesus tell you that. Christ. Anyway, we'll be back in 2019. Thank you so much, Scott. Thank you, Kara. And we'll be back next week and into the new year. Rebecca Sananas produces the show. Nishad Kurwa is Vox Media's executive producer of audio. Thanks also to Eric Johnson. Thanks for listening to Pivot from Vox Media. Join us next week for more of a breakdown on all things tech and business. If you like what you heard, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening. Keeping up with your competition is important. Taking the lead with unmatched innovation, that's impressive. And that's what's possible when you build your next generation of smart apps on Microsoft Azure. Clear the way for unparalleled productivity with end-to-end development and management tools. Integrate cloud capabilities across your environment with the only consistent hybrid cloud. Discover transformative insights through artificial intelligence and real-time data and scale across more global regions than you'll get from any other cloud provider. Because every business and every organization, small and large, old and new, has something to gain by reaching beyond the limits of an on-premises data center. What will you achieve when you come to the cloud? Get started with a free account and 12 months of popular services at azure.com slash trial. That's A-Z-U-R-E dot com slash trial.